Good morning and welcome to WNHH Radio's High Haven program about everything Jewish in our community. Jewish Family Service does just about everything Jewish in our community, including helping foster children find safe, loving homes. Stacey Ann Clark handles foster care recruiting at JFS. She's here in the WNHH studio along with Sally Alexander, a foster parent, to tell us what they've been up to and what the challenges that they're helping to meet in New Haven. Good morning, both of you. It's so nice to meet you. Good morning. And thanks for coming on the show. So tell, you know, we hear a lot about foster children and about, there's always, there, we always hear appeals, not just from JFS, but from other folks, about the importance of people stepping up and, and adopting or else caring for foster children without adoption. What, Stacey, what is actually the challenge we're facing in this area and what is the scope of it? Well, thanks. thank you, first of all, for having us here. Um, well, you know, foster care uh, on a whole, there are plenty of challenges. Um, I mean, are there a lot of kids who need homes? Currently, nationally, we have over 4,000 children that need homes. Nationally? Yes. In the state of Connecticut, we have, uh, how many did I say nationally? 4,000 sounded low. 40,000. And in the state of Connecticut, we have over 4,000 that need homes. Right and are now. these kids whose parents have been put in jail, have died, these, don't have relatives, take these them These are in? children who faced uh, abuse and neglect and mm. had to be removed from their homes by no fault of their own, uh, whether the parent is incarcerated or they're facing some level of mental health issues or they are homeless or they have passed away or there is abuse and neglect. So there's many different reasons why our children come into care. And are these mostly children who have been identified by the Department of Children and Families at the state? Is that where you find out about the kids who need homes? Yes, but uh, these children are found in schools. So oftentimes when kids come into care, uh, it's often the schools that might have called that notice the, the increase in absenteeism or notice that the child might look abused or neglected. Um, sometimes it can the call can come in from the doctor. The call can come in from a neighbor. Sometimes the child themselves might call, or the parent might say, "Listen, I need help." Like the child and, we just read about in California the other day hmm. from that horrible situation. Yeah, yeah. And Heather Joseph writes in on Facebook: DCF in Connecticut is a joke. I know that the agency has always had a lot of pressures, tough job to do, and a lot of political pressures in both directions. Keep kids together with their parents, and you know, if possible, or in other cases are on the other side because of some terrible incidents that happen when they haven't acted quickly enough. It's a tough balancing act. It is a tough balancing act. And being on both sides, I can speak to that. Um, I've been on the side as a foster, because I'm also a foster parent, and I've had situations where I'm not happy with. Um, and being working with DCF closely to help place these kids and have to uh, make those tough choices as well. So it's not a joke. It's just tough. It's a tough situation. It's, it's tough for the families that's having the child removed from their home. It's tough for the child that's being removed from the home. It's all around tough. It's very emotional. It's, it's, it's traumatic. And this, where you step in, would you try to find parents like Sally, who's in our uh, studio today, who are willing to take the kids? And I guess that's one big part of the challenge as well. And parents, you know that you're going to feel comfortable. They're going to take good care of the kids. 4,000 kids need homes. How many foster parents are in the pipeline to take those 4,000 kids? That's the that's the uh, magical question. You know, my job as a recruiter is to find parents, find families. That's why we're here today. We're and are there enough parents out there? Or do you no, need more? No, there's always a need for more. There, mm -hmm. We need parents 
We definitely need families. These children are, um, sometimes they're in temporary situations where it's, it's uncomfortable. So we need families. We need people to share the message, share the news. We need people who have a heart and a love for children and understanding of a child who's been in a traumatic situation, um, a child that's, that's hurt, a child that's rejected, and that's sometimes self-sabotage. So we need parents that's understanding of that and understanding of the needs of children. And when, when you uh, find the parents, you train them, right, and vet Absolutely. them and all that, and you're licensed by the state to do that, right? Yes, yes. Once we find the families, we have actually what's called a tips maps uh, class that we put the parents through. The parents go through the whole class. It's 12. Um, it's 11, but sometimes we extend an extra one just to make sure it's a wrap-up session. Um, and then we train them, and we get into the nuts and bolts, the bits, the pieces, what it is to be a foster parent, what the expectations are. And we also have what's called Deciding Together, which is a seven-week course. And, and um, then the home become licensed. Mm-hmm. So and they're definitely trained. Yes. We're talking with Stacey Ann Clark from Jewish Family Service, and we'll be talking as well with Sally Alexander, a foster parent, talking about foster parent challenges and how we're trying to meet them in our community and how specifically Jewish Family Service is doing that. The uh, Now, the, a foster parent, what motivates a foster parent to become a foster parent? Is it someone who hasn't had kids on their own or is, is room to make other kids? Is someone who, do they get paid for it? How does it work? Well, the motivation is intrinsic. For me, it was. It came from within me. Yeah. How did you become a foster parent? Um. Well, my foster son, I knew his, my family knew his mother. So it was just like a kinship. Um, and he, the mom got into some trouble and he ended up becoming my foster son. And when you become a foster parent, are you, do you adopt the kid or do you watch him for a while till someone else takes There's, him? Th- it depends on the situation. If some children, once the court decides that that child cannot go back home for whatever reason, either the parent is unable or unwilling to care for the child, then the court decides, okay, is there someone else, as in my case, that can take care of the child? And they're given a stipend to help care for that child. So and they're given We a have heard some stories. I know people growing up with foster care who've told me, I had one parent who just made the whole difference in my life and loved me so much, gave me a good home. Before that, the parent was just taking the money from the state and treating me awfully. Well, we at Jewish Family Services, we make sure that our families and our children are cared for. We make sure that... We follow up and stuff. We definitely do. Our caseworkers, case managers work very closely with the families. We work with the schools. We we work very close with that child to make sure that all their needs are met. And they're getting all the support. And when you become a foster parent, you... you, um, And we'll get to Sally in a second. Stacey, when you took in a child of your friend... You know that's a, in some ways going to be a more challenging job than a kid you have biologically, right? Because you're, t- you're taking someone who's going to be bringing some difficult psychological experiences to process right. into your home. You're going to have to sort of be a double-duty parent. Right. And we talk about that in the Tips Maps class. We talk about knowing yourself. We talk about knowing the child and the issues of the child that the child may present with. And we talk about knowing your family, and knowing how your family could be affected by that child coming into your home. So those are some of the things we talk about. We, Before we license the home, we make sure that that family, the potential foster family, is ready for that child. We, you know, we like to say that we're not looking for a home for the child, but um, we're looking for a family. We're looking for that family environment where that child comes in and feels as though he's part of the family, not just with a foster family who's collecting 55, 55 a day, because that money is a stipend. But, you know, the mentality um, is from, you know, from some child perspective, oh, they're just want, they're just in this for the money. 
And, and Sally Ann, I mean, Sally Alexander, you, um, you decided to become a foster parent. Your kids are well grown up. I think you told me before on the air that your oldest is 38 and youngest is 29, biological children. And now you have a young foster child of your own. Sally, what motivated you to become a foster parent and how did you go about it? Um, well, first of all, my, the son, my son that I have now, I've adopted him. He was a foster child, but he's now an adopted child. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's my child. Um, he was my child just as much when he was a foster child. Um, and when you adopt, you no longer get a stipend, right? Y- it's, it's a, the whole thing changes Yeah. as far as you do get support. Uh-huh. And, um, but my, my motivation for going into this was, um, I've always, I've loved children. I've always worked with children. I was a preschool teacher. I, I've worked in daycare and, you know, everything was always involving children. And um, I was under the impression, and this is something that I would like to get out there, that I couldn't do it because I didn't know there was a stipend. And, you know, I was a single parent, you know, of adult children. And I thought, well, I can't certainly can't afford another child, although I would love to have one. And... um when you know, I talked to somebody else who was a foster parent, and they said, "No, it's not all on you." And when I started working with JFS, um, I the support that I got was unbelievable. You not only get the the stipend that's that's not even half of it. You have somebody to come out to your house every week, um, who talks to you and the child to see how things are going. Um, you have, you have constant support. There's an emergency number. There's, you can call during the day. And if somebody's there, there's always somebody you can talk to. You also have the support of, um, DCF. And Sally, what made you want to become a foster parent? What was going on in your life and how'd you find out about the need for, um, well, I found out the need because I, I, at my, the job I was working at, there was another foster parent there and we used to talk about kids all the time because she, like me, had a love of children. And she kind of filled me in on the support that you get. And I said, you know, I've kind of always wanted to do this. I just didn't know how I could do it. Did you kind of feel like my kids are growing up now and I still have more to give to the world? That's that's something I'm good at. I'm not done at this work. Right, right. Um, You know, I had kind of the empty nest and, (laughs) um, you know, with three kids, it was a constant for me when they were younger, running to soccer practice, baseball practice, swimming lessons, dancing. And then it's like, bang, that's, all, you know, they're all gone. And, you know, now I do take care of grandchildren, too, because I've, I've you know, three grandchildren and um, another on the way. But Wow. Um, so, you know, that, that, but that's still not enough. Mm-hmm. So having another, having another child, and I not only foster one child, I also do what we call respite care. When someone needs a short term in an emergency? Yes, and the, the thing that I love about um, Jewish Family Service is that the kids that I get for respite, usually teenagers, but I get a lot of the kids, when they come for respite, it's, you know, it's because the parent needs, the foster parent needs me for some reason. Oh, so it's another foster parent. Yes. And saying, I just need a break. Yeah. Or, or something's going on. Maybe they have a business trip at right. work. 
okay. or something like that. And Stacy, you're about to jump in there. I was going to say respite is for different reasons. Um, it could be a family emergency. It could be I am um, going to go and have surgery. I need to have surgery done. So there's, you know, there's respite. And DCF, we, the agency and DCF, they pay, you're allowed 14 days of respite for the year. You know, so it's that, okay, let me go and do what I need to do. What it's not for, though, it's to just go take a vacation without the child. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because we want to make the child a part of the family and part of the home. And uh, Stacey, uh, tell me, did you become a foster parent before you had this job? No. Okay. Actually, they kind of both went in hand in hand How many together. years ago are we talking about? Um, I've Three years. Just three and years. What, when, you, when, you, when you took on your friend's son, were you nervous? Well, I knew him. I knew him when he was small. And and how old was he at the time you took him in? He was uh, 13. Actually, he was 14. That's a tough age. In. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a good kid. You know, this child is not TFC. So that's the difference. TF, TFC? There's a difference, you know, TFC is therapeutic foster care, which is what we, you know, our children are therapeutic foster care. So the challenges are a little bit different, but, you know, the children are the same. They still have their hopes. They still have the dream. They still need opportunities and they still need that safe haven. Can you tell me about a day after you became the parent? And what's, what's your son's name? My foster son? I have to say. Mike. Okay, Mike. Let's okay. just say Mike. <laughs> said, was there a day in which you said, Something happened. You said, this is why I'm doing it. This is why it's special. All the time. And is there a day you can think of when you said, here's what's different for what the role I'm playing here as a parent. Here's how the challenge might be different. The challenge is different because, you know, my son is 19, so he's older. And my daughter's 24. So Talking about your biological. Biological. So when I, you know, I might have handled situation with them differently than I would with Mike. Give me an example of a situation without giving up privacy. Um... Mike wanted to go and hang out with a friend that I didn't know. I didn't know his parents. I didn't know anything about him. Um, And I, you know, I always tell them they can come to our house. You know, let me meet them first. I'd like to meet them. I want to know, you know, the, the, how this kid is. I need to see the interaction. I need to find out what type of a child, you know, and with my son, I might have actually, I was younger too. And as you know, I was a single mom. So, you know, it, it was a little different. Oh, what about with your biological son? Yes. What was yes. different? You were more ready to allow your biological I, son to... Not uh, that I was more ready. I wasn't as thinking, okay, it's the worst, worst, worst case scenario in DCF. You know, there's this DCF. There's this, oh, you know, I, I have to make sure that, you know, things that I would have probably said, okay... A chance you would have taken. I wouldn't. Do you think partly it's also experience as a parent or it changing is. times? It is. It is. Although it kind of Ch- works the other have way. Changed. It, I find with other parents both. like myself... Like the joke always is one family I know, they said when the first kid, when the pacifier hit the floor, I put it in boiling water to sterilize it. With the second kid, I put it in my mouth to sterilize it. <laughs> Third kid, I put in the dog's mouth to sterilize oh, it. In other words, that, you know, you get a little looser. You're not yeah. so worried about every little yeah. um, decision is going to have horrible consequences. But it yeah. sounds like an opposite effect here that you're a little more concerned about I am, the risks. But, but also, you know, he's because he's I'm lucky because he's such a good kid. He has some challenges, but most teenagers do. Uh-huh. most teenagers do and you know my son my biological son gave me a run for my money so because <laughs> my biological son gave me such a run for my money and this kid is so easy tempered easy nature i'm i'm like ah but You're at the same tested. time i want to keep him safe and i want him to not just move off of his impulses i want to make sure he's okay we're talking about parents who do heroic work in our community both uh, finding homes for kids who need foster homes and being foster parents themselves Stacey Ann clark with jewish family service which does a lot of that as a licensee of the state 
and Sally Alexander, a foster parent in East Haven. So Sally, how about you? Can you think of a day with your your son now, whom you've adopted, who you, who you got in foster care, when you said either this is how I might be handling parenthood a little differently or this is why I'm so glad I became a foster parent. Well, I think I've, I've had both situations. Um, I'm ha- glad every day. And that's, that's not just, you know, I'm not being oh, not really nice just saying this, but I'm glad every day that I became a foster parent for many reasons. Um, but there are challenges and um, my child is, uh, Kay did come out of the therapeutic foster care system. So it's a little bit different than what Stacy was talking about. There were many challenges with that. And I didn't have those with my older biological children. So that was, that was a challenge, but I got a lot of help. Um, that's the one thing I, I can never tell parents enough is don't try, don't always try to handle everything yourself. Nobody, you're not Superman. You, you need help. You have to, you have to ask for help. And, you know, Jewish Family Service is, they're always there to help. you. And how about when you blend a family? So you have older, each of you has grown biological children and you have foster kids in their teens, right? How do you meld the family? Do the siblings interact much? How do you incorporate the kid? My, my adult children are like um, surrogate parents for my son, who is, he's 12. Um, so they, they've been, because it's just he and I in the house, so he has no real re- male role model, but he does have my son and my two daughters' husbands. Um, and they're, they're very much a part of the family in a different way. We don't all live in the same house. But we do big family events. We have, you know, many traditions that we that what we do. What would be examples? Examples of traditions. Yeah. Um, well, at um, harvest time in the fall, we do a hayride, mm-hmm. and everybody comes, and all the kids come, and we do it every year. Um, you know, holidays, we do a cookie baking. Everybody comes and bakes cookies, and there's, you know, there's a little thing. It's a funny little thing with a, an apron that the newest person has to wear this really weird looking apron with big poinsettias <laughs> on it. And, um, you know, things like that. Those are, you know, family things that we all do together. My adult children are still very much a part of my life how about, and how, a part of my son's life. How about you, Stacey? Anything you could tell us about how you've incorporated the family together? It's a little different with me. Um, for one, they like to do things together without me, without mom. So... You know, the other day I, I was telling someone that I had to trick them to go bowling with me. <laughs> I did. We all, we went to the store. We had errands to run. And then afterwards, I just pulled up right in a bowling alley. Now, and this is with your grown children. This, my daughter is, she's in a, she's 24. She lives on her own. Uh, she lives in Hartford. And so it's with my two, it's with my foster son and my biological son. Who's both of them. The this, son is- my bio is 19, my foster is 17. So they're close in age. So they're friends. They're friends. They do. They cover for each other. There's, <laughs> there's never. This person did that. This person did that. It's always. I don't know. So what do they I like to know. do without you? So as far as the bo- say that again. <laughs> what do they like to do without mom? Everything. They like to go shop without mom. They like to um, listen music. It's just it. It seems like every time mom is around, is up here she is. 
you know, <laughs> the other day when we when I took them bowling and they're looking at each other and they're looking and they're like, why are we here? And I'm like, we're here to bowl. <laughs> and they're like, are you serious? Why are we here to bowl? So it's um, they eventually enjoyed it. I can, must can, say. Can maybe remember and tell for us a conversation you had with with Mike pretty soon after he became your foster child where you had to sort of reassure him or explain the situation to him. Yeah. Um, when Mike uh, came to me, when the, the situation where he was removed from his home and he came to me, he was not a happy camper. He was very angry. Sure. He was angry with his life. He was angry with his mom. He hated his father. Um, and he hated his father because his father wasn't in his life. And from what he learned about his father from his mother. Um, so, of course, DCF, because it's federal law to have a permanency plan for a child to either return home or be adopted or age out, um, there's always a permanency plan. So his in, in, while DCF was trying to put together his permanency plan, they had to get in touch with his father. He refused to be a part of his father life. And, you know, I always try to have not influence him, but have a small conversation with him saying, you know, give him a chance. Have a conversation. It doesn't hurt to have a conversation with you, with, with him. And about maybe eight months or almost a year after living with me, he did give his dad a chance. And, and what happened? Now they're on the phone oh, almost every day. Am I wrong? And you guys know more about child development than I do. That for a teenager, if a parent is not in your life and you're angry about it, you feel hurt, you're so kind of scared that you've been rejected somehow. You did something wrong. So it's kind of hard to have nuance. It's kind of hard to say it's complicated. The father had or mother had something going on in her life. She's just unable and loved me and couldn't take care of me. Or I know that when kids grow up into adults, they often reconcile. It seems like that's a tough age to navigate those complicated feelings. It is. It is. Because they themselves don't, you can't even make sense of their own emotion. So how are you going to make sense of someone else's actions? Yeah. It's, it's tough for a teenager. So was it just a coincidence, Stacey Ann, that at the same time you became a foster parent three years ago, you began a job at Jewish Family Service as the recruiting outreach person for foster parents, or was there some connection there? No, I don't think it was um, coincidence at all. I think most people have something intrinsically within them that kind of gear them to where they need to be. So the same involved. reason you would want to step in for your friend's son, the same reason you would be interested. What had you been doing professionally before you went to JFS? i always been in human service. I've always worked with people, uh, human care, group home manager. I've, I've done different jobs working with people. And JFS people. has, for how long has had this, uh, has been involved in foster parent? I want to say, um, and maybe 10 years after, I, don't quote me on that. You know, I okay, don't have the exact information. Yeah. yeah. But I want to say maybe about 10 years after they started adoption, but that information. And, I and how big a program was it when you came in? How many other people work with you in this division? As we have ca three case managers. Um, I've now, I'm now a recruiter. So now we have two. And um, as far as children, I want to say our numbers is 25. 25 as, children, as, meaning as that, that you've placed. Yeah. Right as, now. Currently, 25. And, and you count them until they become adults? We follow them, yes, yeah. we do. We do follow our children and, and, and until they age out of the system. And so um, what, what are you doing as a recruiter to try to find people, and what are the challenges you're taking on in, in that quest? You know, I, 
I always say my recruiter hat is always on. Everywhere I go, I'm recruiting. I'm recruiting now. If I go to, when I go to church, I'm recruiting. If I go to the grocery store, I'm recruiting. Um, I talk to people from different churches. I talk to different agencies, different organizations, people who might know people, share this on Facebook. You know, I try to just get the word. Mm-hmm. I actually go out on the streets of New Haven. I go to Cheshire. I go to Hartford. Hey, give me an example of where you found somebody and you said, oh, that was a good, good, good find, good find. Um, Craigslist, actually. There was someone who she was advertising that she was looking for a job as, um, what was her? I think she was looking for like a daycare provider. She wanted to go and babysit someone's child. So she was, you know, um, job wanted that section. So I call, I sent her an email. I responded to her ad on Craigslist and I said, hi, you know, I'm from Jewish Family Services. I see that you're looking for a child. How about a child coming into your home? <laughs> you know, I kind of just, you know, and did she like turn that. out to be a viable parent. She is. She is one of our foster parents today. Why are you on Craigslist looking for people who looking might be for parents? people? That's so interesting. You know, yeah, it seems like you have a lot of creative. Yeah, you 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 just ways of you finding have to people. Be slick. How did you find? How did you find <laughs> Sally? When you mean were you slick with Sally? I, Sally was here before I came to the agency. Oh, okay, so someone okay. else caught Sally, or Sally just felt <laughs> it and just knew that yeah. JFS was a great agency and came to JFS. And we're talking about Jewish Family Service JFS and their work in foster care with Stacy Ann Clark. Who is in charge of recruiting in a very slick way? Using yeah. your words, sound like a very creative way to use mine. And Sally Alexander, a foster parent. Um, so tell me about adolescence. Now, a lot of people, I think, when we think of foster parent, we think of getting them as young, you know, as two, five years old. How many of these kids you're dealing with are adolescents, and how many are you seeking parents for now? Well. The TFC program, Therapeutic Foster Care program, it's from age 17 and up. I'm sorry, age 7 and up. So we're looking for placements for children from age 7 and up. Just this morning, there was a meeting where there's probably 10 children in care. But there's always a backlog. We go to meetings. I go to recruiters meeting on a weekly basis, and there's children constantly being presented. You know, And as I said, for the state of Connecticut, there's 4,000 children in mm-hmm. care. You know, So there's 4,000 children that need homes that need placement so this is not this is you know significant we're in dire need of finding families who have um compassion and understanding on their and children on their heart that want to make a difference in the child's life jewish family services what is the jewish aspect of this just in terms of tradition of caring for the community i would say so the the um just the aspect of love, of, of taking care of your neighbors, of loving each other, regardless of the and do race, get, ethnicity, do socioeconomic. You more, do you find more potential Jewish parents as a result of being from Jewish family service or kids who want a Jewish home? No, because our our children are not just all Jewish. Are we, I don't. I, matter of fact, most of our children are not Jewish. You know what I mean? So our children are African-American, Hispanic white it does you know as i said before it doesn't matter the race the culture socioeconomic background um you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter all of our children that are in need they're in need and they come from homes that can either be considered poor or considered wealthy so they're all in need and uh sally alexander if i were to run into you at the supermarket and met you and your son i say hey i'm thinking of becoming a foster parent what would you tell me about why i should or shouldn't do what you're doing. Oh, I would tell you that it's it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, if you if you looked on my Facebook page right now, everybody knows that that's 
the person that I am. And if you have a love of, of if you have a love of human life, then a foster parent is a, is something that you should do. And don't be afraid of the, the, the things that, don't be afraid that the children maybe have problems. Don't be afraid that it's, nobody's going to support you because you're, you're going to have all that. And, and yeah, kids have problems, but your own biological children have problems too. So these kids need a home, and they don't all come from a place, a bad place. They just come from a place where they need to find a better place to be for now. If you want to be one of those parents to do what Sally Ann's done, what Stacy's done, I'm sorry, Stacy Ann and Sally, you can contact Jewish Family Service to become a parent. course, parents, just find out what it's all about. Maybe get some help, some advice. Stacy Ann Clark is your go-to person for that. You can reach her at 203 I'll give it that again, 203-389-5599, extension 149. You can go to Jewish Family Service website, that's jfsnh.org, or as I'd recommend, just go to Google and put Jewish Family Service New Haven, and you'll end up there. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's really great to meet you both. Stacey Ann Clark and Sam Alexander, keep up the good work. Keeping kids safe and giving them love and homes. Can't think of a better Thank thing you. to be doing. And um, and also joining us in High Haven. Thanks, everybody. WNHH. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book it with us all week long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. <laughs>